0: Good morning Solano, glad you could join us and uh, just a welcome to those of you joining us online for our service. I had a minute to uh, pray with our um, volunteer team and just confess that I was feeling a little distracted this morning and I think that's a common experience for God's people. You know we have a lot in our mind, there's a lot that happened this week, a lot that needs to happen maybe next week. Um, and so but this is a chance for us to bring those thoughts bring those distractions to the Lord and to receive from him a message of his love of his grace of his plan of his sovereignty take comfort in that and respond in worship and faith and obedience Uh, so it is good to be together on Sunday as God's people so let me pray to help prepare us for worship and for our service today Father God, we invite you into this place, into uh, the sanctity of our hearts, come and speak a word that we need from you, Lord. Let your word um, and the gospel be clear and be a joy and be a sweet aroma in our souls that that we may make melody to you in our hearts and give thanks to you and fellowship with one another. So be over our service, Lord, the message, the, the, the preaching, the giving, the worship, the singing, the fellowship, all of it, Lord. So we invite you here. We look for you to come and, uh, um, and be our God this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen.
1: all right good morning how we doing solano glad to hear that glad to hear that my name is devon and today i will read the call to worship uh starting from uh the book of john chapter uh, 15 verses 9 through 17 as the father has loved me so have i loved you abide in my love if you keep in my commandments in my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has No one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. Hmm. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is God's word.
2: Amen. And we serve a God who calls us friend, calls you, calls me his friends. And this is a wonderful thing, uh, a God who is holy, a God who is omnipotent, but a God who uh, draws near to us and calls us friend. And it's a wonderful thing. So let's, let's stand, if you can, if you're able to. Let's worship our God this morning.
1: Here we go.
3: One, two. One, two, three. Then the night. night.
4: for your goodness and your perfect love we thank you Jesus for for what you did on the cross for us and um, that we read that you said that whoever drinks of the water that you give um, will never be thirsty again Um, yeah I just pray God that that those of us who who feel thirsty this morning who are longing, Lord, would um, just know deeply that that you um, you provide for that, and that we we can be satisfied in you, Lord. So I pray that we would just know that more deeply this morning, in Jesus' name.
2: for being that, uh, for promising your Holy Spirit, for promising Jesus uh, the water uh, from the well that never runs dry, God. And we pray that that water would overflow today into every arid place, God, every uh, place that is in need of refreshing, God, for every uh, body of water in our hearts, in our congregation that is in need of your refreshing water, that the fresh water would overtake the salt, God, and that there would be life, new life that springs forth, God. We need your power. We need your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you tell us to come to you, uh, that even though we have no money to buy, uh, that you tell us come and purchase what is uh, purchased by Jesus, by your sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection. We thank you for uh, overcoming our sin, God, overcoming the grave. And God, we just, uh, yeah, we want to sit in that reality and understand it with our minds and our hearts and our full being, Lord, that there is no condemnation for us, God, because of you, Jesus. It's all your work. Uh, we thank you. And we give you praise this morning. Amen. Amen.
5: Good morning, everyone. At this time of our our worship service, we're going to be dismissing our kids to Sunday school. So if you guys can make your way over to the lobby, that would be great. Um, One thing that I love to see is our kids worshiping and praying. And actually, we don't see that too often because they're not really doing that. But (laughs) what I love seeing, though, but when I try to see from God's perspective and just seeing us worshiping and praying, I think it brings God so much joy, right? And so much depth, so just thank you for that. Um, and uh, just giving an update, yesterday, we, the youth had a garage sale and a car wash. They raised 16, over $1,600, Woo! so good job, guys. Um, and I'll just give a question, like a topic you guys can talk about amongst yourselves. The idea is, what's the best used gift that you received? In your life, you can share it with the person next to you, and then we'll get back together in a minute or so. I think I overheard someone saying "used underwear," but I don't think that, that's a actual. That's actually true. I actually enjoyed getting used clothes from my cousin because they were just better off than we were, and I was like, oh, so it's such good stuff." But anyways, um, so again, my name is Martin. I'm our operations director, and at this time of the worship service. I'm going to be going through some announcements, some upcoming events that we have. But first off, if you're new, welcome. If you want to get better connected with our church, just talk to the person next to you. But also you can fill out a connect card uh, or scan the QR code that's in front of you. And then if you fill that out, we'll give you more information about our church. For those of us who regularly attend Solano, you can also use that to submit prayer requests or other comments or questions that you might have. Um, If you're a regular attender remember Solano as well, you could, um, we encourage you to give. You can do that by the QR code that's in front of you, um, brown box in the back, or to our PO box address. Um, One great way to give, actually, is a set of recurring giving. Um, You can do that at the QR code as well. But doing that actually allows us to um, just give regularly. It's something that I do. There's going to be some weeks that I'm going to forget to give. But by doing it that way, it allows me to remember and look into a bank account and see it go out every week. So. Let's see. So um, some of the announcements that we have coming up. The first one is we're having our IF gathering. Our women are having IF gathering happening again in January. But to prepare for that, there's an info night that they're having this Friday. Is it February? February. (laughs) Okay, in February. But the info night is actually this Friday. And it's an opportunity for the women to get excited about it, hearing what's about to happen, and build some momentum for this event. Um, I I stuck around in the back last year for this, or this previous year for this, this year for this, earlier this year for this. And it was such an encouragement to see the women being able to share in fellowship together, worshiping together, leading each other, serving each other. And if you haven't been a part of that, I encourage you to come out, um, get a taste of that. Or if you were so excited about this past year, come out again to build the momentum and excitement for that as well. Um, there'll be opportunities to serve, get more event details, and see how you can lead. Um, attendance applies, no obligation, so just come and explore with other women. Our next announcement is for EC Campus Workday. That's on Saturday, November 4th. If you saw this Building the day we first came in, it looks entirely different now, right? I sometimes will look at old pictures, or my iPhone will remind me, oh, here's a picture of the old church. And I'll be like, shoot, so much has changed, right? It's so good that to put work in this building to make it more useful. So we do have a work day on November 4th, Saturday, November 4th at 8 30. I'm still a little while away, but put that on your calendar. It's going to be an opportunity for us to climb ladders. We've got to change the bulbs. This might this projector might go out. We've got to change the bulb for that. If you look at the carpet, it could use some cleaning. right? There's a lot of things that we can do that can really help, um, help us better use this space and utilize it in, in honoring God. So bring your friends, family, home group. Let's tackle this event together. There'll be snacks and coffee provided. And lastly, just a reminder that we do have our alpha course that's ongoing. You can still invite people to come out. It already started this past week. But if you know anyone that might be interested in learning more about Christianity or just has questions about religion and want to talk to other people about it, this is a great opportunity for them to do in a casual setting. It's at the Woodfin home on Thursdays at uh, 6 p.m. Food there is great. I always like rave about the Woodfins and their hospitality. So if you invite anyone, I'm sure they would be um, well and welcome there. Okay, so encourage you guys. You can sign up to RSVP at the QR code on will link to your QR code in front of you, and they'll get you more information. Okay, so I am going to be leading us in our pastoral prayer this morning. So if you can join me in praying and coming before God, let's let's go before our Father. Um, Lord Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much that we have a hope um, that is secured, that is promised, that is true. We thank you for Jesus who gives evidence to your faithfulness and your love and your goodness to us. When we come before you, um, we come with so many mixed emotions. We come with mixed thoughts and feelings are so intertwined that we're often so confused. And we wish we could come before you, like, with everything organized and well. But, Lord, um, it's in our tangled mess that you meet us. It's you who know how to untangle us. You know what wires to cut. You know how to, to, to tear what needs to be torn out and restore us and align us and embrace us. You're the God who knows us, and yet you do not turn away from us. Like, you embrace us you with with even before words can come out of our mouths. So we praise you and we adore you for who you are. We thank you for your grace, the redemption that we have, your forgiveness. Thank you for an enduring hope, a resilient confidence that no matter the circumstances or situations that the mountains might fall into the sea, your love remains with us. And we're secured in Christ. And you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we might be so wearied in so many different ways right now, but we, I pray that we do not grow weary in doing good, that we will always look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and as our source for strength. So lift us up on wings of eagles, Lord, though, though our circumstances and situations might be difficult, that we can soar with you. Lord, I pray that you be with our pastors. They're your children your sheep, there are shepherds and our brothers and sisters, brothers and leaders. And Lord, I pray that you be with Andrew and Jody and their family, be with Paul and Jamie and their kids, be with Miguel and Alessia, as there's so many new challenges that they're encountering week to week, day by day, even. Lord, I pray that you be with their families. Um and pastorally like Be near them, Lord. Embrace them, pour your love on them. Let them really know that in you, everything's gonna be okay. Everything will be good. I pray most of all for the relationship with you that it could be honest, it could be raw, it could be true, it could be intimate. Convict them of the deep love that you have for them and the church. Ignite their calling to to care for your sheep. Give them a deep joy in the gospel and a power to resolve in power and resolve to proclaim your kingdom to us and to the world around us, even to their own hearts. Lord, I pray that we, we as a church would be able to care for the spirits well, to wash their feet, that we wouldn't be a hindrance to them, that we'd be a joy and a source of true delight for them. And Lord, um, though we pray for things here, there's so many worldly things going, so much is going on in the world around us, particularly in Palestine and Israel. Um, in all the ways, all the things that are going on there, Lord, we mourn. Um, we mourn for the barbaric death that we've seen, the generations of injustice, the schemes of man and our shortcomings, even with the best of intentions. We pray for the pounding heartache, the possible starvation that's going to come, the loss of loved ones, the rampant fear and hatred. Lord, we, we need you. We need you to come, Lord, and, and restore and, and save us from ourselves. Lord, strengthen our faith. May our eyes see the sin, the hate, the injustice, and death. And may we also turn our eyes upward to you and behold. Like behold the risen lamb who overcame sin, overcame sin and death. You call us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. So Lord, I pray that you would dawn upon our hearts to give us resounding hope. Down upon the hearts of those in Israel and Palestine as well. Lord, be with their brothers and sisters in Christ there. Fill them doubly with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't be afraid, that they would deeply love their neighbors, even sacrificially. They would be courageous where they are, and even life and death, that their faith would be resolute in Christ. So, your work on the Christ for us, Lord, is so good and so eternal. Our Savior is alive. Our hope in you is eternal. You are good. You are good. And Lord, we know that you are more than enough for us. So Lord, as we gather here before you and worship you, Lord, may our eyes look up to you. May we see and remember the joy of your salvation and the hope that we have in you. That though this world and the burdens and everything that we bear might seem to overwhelm us, Lord, that we know that you bore all of this for us. You bore all of this for the world. And you can take us with you and you lift us up. So may our eyes look towards you. I thank you so much that we can have hope despite our circumstances because you have overcome the grave. So I thank you, Lord. In your sons, I pray. Amen.
2: Thanks, Martin, for leading us in that wonderful, beautiful time. Uh, well, not, mo- not much more can be said, but we want, so we want to sing something uh, for you. And uh, this, this next song actually comes from Alessia, uh, who, you know, kind of, you know, sort of how Jamie thought, oh, maybe I don't have that specific gift. I know Alessia has uh, shared with me, sometimes she doesn't believe she's a good songwriter, and, and yet God kind of gifted her this song that we're about to share with you. And the amazing thing about it is that it, it's uh, about First Corinthians chapter 13 which is a very famous passage and, and, and hopefully one that you already know and memorize, maybe even. Um, but yeah, this comes from, from her heart and her time with God. And, uh, and yeah, we want to share that with you and, and we hope that it blesses you.
3: If I have knowledge of of every mystery
6: My name is Paul She, and I have the privilege of reading today's scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter twelve, verses twelve through thirty-one. I invite you all to open up your Bibles and read along with me. One body with many members. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the air should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our presentable parts unpresentable parts are treated with great greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. This is God's Word.
0: Good morning, Solano. I'm. Uh... Glad to jump in to Corinthians, Um, and I want to give thanks to Miguel for launching us back in with some great messages on the gifts and getting us excited and thinking about that God gives gifts to his church. What are those gifts? And I know those of you going to the Gospel Academy are getting even more training and experience with that. And as you probably heard from the reading of the scripture, Paul's main idea today regarding the gifts is kind of a little bit or a lot about how we grow into our gifts, how we relate to our gifts. Um, And and so I was thinking about this and it it reminded me of one of my least favorite movies of all time and it's The Hobbit because... It's one of my favorite books of all time. you know how that goes, right? You have a favorite book and it's really hard for the movie to live up to it. And part of the reason is because what makes the Hobbit, if you guys know this story, so special, at least to me, was the journey that Bilbo goes on. Bilbo is the Hobbit who Gandalf says, hey, you're a Hobbit that has a unique skill set that the, the, these dwarves don't have and they're going to need it. To accomplish their mission of recovering their treasure from the dragon. So of course if you know the story Bilbo was resistant. He didn't want to be late for supper. And so Gandalf kind of pushes him because Gandalf sees his potential. But Bilbo struggles to grow into his gifting and that's the tension of the whole book. Which the movie, I think the movie misses that. And He at first struggles and fails, but eventually begins to walk in his gifts. And by the end of it, he becomes indispensable because he embraced his size and his wit and his usefulness to the dwarves. And so he was able to be indispensable to the mission. And so I think we can kind of relate to that journey. And I think that's the journey that God has for each of us. We're kind of Bilbo. We just want to stay comfortable and not be late for supper. And Gandalf who represents this kind of all-knowing figure, you know, God sees and knows your potential. Like Gandalf just he's kind of all-knowing, but God is the one that created you. He knows exactly your uniqueness and has and knows how indispensable you are to the mission of the church and he's called you into it and knows that you will play a key role. But the tension is Will you grow into that role? Will you begin to embrace who God has made you to be as part of his church, as part of his body for the sake of his mission? So you could say that the last few weeks, we've been talking about what are the gifts and why do we have them? Where do they come from? So just as a reminder, we have this great statement that Miguel put up for us. Let's read this together again. Ready? Set, go. Every individual believer is given ministries and activities that are activated and empowered by the triune God for our growth and unity. And so today we want to talk about, so then how do we relate to these gifts? More the how question. And engage our gifts in a healthy way. Our series is called Healthy Body. We recognize that we are united together in a mystical powerful way by Christ and we want to we want to do that in a healthy way and so Paul's going to get to the heart of that today um, and I think this is important because our diversity of gifts actually bring up at least three big problems feelings of inferiority and insecurity those are one feelings of superiority well look at how I'm special and you're not and lastly the importance of priority or hierarchy of the gifts. So we're gonna to need to talk about those three things. So in the face of these problems, in the face of the, these, this diversity, God wants us to operate in a healthy way towards one another in the use of our gifts and be a healthy body. So the first way we wanna live out our gifts in a healthy way is that God wants us to be confident in our giftings. Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ and so paul here is introducing the idea of the body metaphor so we need to really really let this sink in he's going to this is just going to dominate his entire view of the gifts and the church and we're to view ourselves like the body that we have different functions and shapes and even feelings about those different parts, but all an integral part of each of one another. We are dependent on each other, and we need to see that in fact we are integral to the work of Christ in the world. Why don't you go just to the next slide, I'm going to have you go back to this one. Go to the next slide now. Listen, look at this. You are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. It's not just an analogy. You literally are Christ's hands and feet in this world. You are his mission to the world to bring his truth and love to each other, to the world. You are the body of Christ. Wow. If you go back to the last slide, I want to look at verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink one spirit. So as we think about how do we be confident in our gifting, the first thing Paul says here is you need to be confident about how you came into the body. How you came into the body. And what he says is you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. You drank of one spirit. And so our confidence in our gifting needs to start with our understanding of the gospel itself. That you came into Christ because of the power of his spirit, because of his mercy, and because of his blood shed for you. That he has cleansed you by his power, not your work, not your background, not your record. None of that matters in how God has placed you in the body. That is the gospel. Our religious background, our ethnic background, our social economic status means nothing for how we came into the body and therefore how you will be used in the body because you were baptized by the spirit and you drank of the same spirit. Doesn't matter if you're a fortune 500 CEO, that does not mean you will be any, will have any impact on your gifts and abilities in the church. Whether you are a window washer, whether you are a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, whether you have ministry experience, all of this is by the Spirit of God. And so we can feel insecure, right? Like, well, I have this bad record. I wasn't a Christian for a long time. Or we could feel like I'm entitled to be someone special because look at all of my background. And God wants us, Paul wants us to say, no, your, your confidence starts with you being baptized by the Holy Spirit. But even knowing that, as we start to engage the church, it's difficult not to compare ourselves to others. That is going to be a struggle. And so Paul acknowledges that in verse 14. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. You see that negative, insecure thinking start to set in. When you realize, well, I'm not like that person, so maybe I, I don't have a lot to contribute. And Paul's going to tackle this head on and say, not at all. Because he says that would not make it any less a part of the body, and he even repeats himself with another analogy. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. So we have a deep longing, I think, all of us, to know that we are, have been are useful to and can contribute to the larger mission but what can get in the way is well I'm not like that person look what they're doing I guess I can't offer I don't have much to offer and we feel defeated and so God wants us to be confident in the face of that and so I think to be confident I think it starts at least with two things One, well, I already said one of them, so two more things. One of them is knowing how you got into the body by God's power alone and not letting your past make you feel overly confident or not confident enough. But then I think implied in this is God wants you to know how you are gifted. You need to know if you are an eye or a foot. He wants you to know your part of the body. And so how do you, how can you know that? What are ways you can know that? So I'm just going to give you a few thoughts. This is by no means exhaustive, but one is internal. And I'll ask you this question to begin to help you sort out what part of the body are you? Where do you feel a sense of burning or passion or strong urging? I want us to remember that John the Baptist told us that we were going to be baptized by Jesus, but he doesn't baptize with water. He baptized with with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. Now, that fire in the context probably means more of a cleansing fire, a, a fire that burns off sin in our life, and we begin to follow Jesus in obedience of heart But I will also remind you that don't forget Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you um, because you do not have a spirit of fear, you don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So your gifting should be able to be ignited in you. It should be able to be fanned into a flame. It should get you excited in a way that almost is difficult to control. That's a sign of a gifting. I remember when I was um, newly married and I was on staff with crew, I started studying scripture much more deeply on my own. I'd be in my room by myself and I would start studying scripture and I, I couldn't help but turn it into a sermon. Like I would start preaching it to nobody. I didn't even want to be a preacher I didn't even want to be a pastor. I was really content to be a missionary with crew. It took me 10 years before I actually said, maybe I need to be a pastor. You know, but I, that I can look back and see this burning that I couldn't even help it. I've also shared with Andrew and the staff that I love strategy. I love thinking about organization and systems. I'll do that for fun. And so I probably have an administrative gifting A gifting of leadership. Those are things that burn in me. And so think about that for you. That's a good sign. What makes you burn? How do you get fanned into flame? We also want to look external. Where are you seeing fruitfulness? Where are you seeing growing effectiveness and productivity? Where others are confirming and telling you about What they're seeing in you. My journey to pastoral ministry really began with other people saying, hey, I I think you should do this more. And so where are you saying that? And I'll, I'll bring something else out. One way to help confirm this externally from others, and we see this in Scripture, is guess what? Prayer and prophecy. Don't forget Timothy. Love Timothy. Love how he became a pastor. He was timid Timothy. I relate to that. Paul's constantly have to be confident, be confident. But he points back to... Don't you remember when the elders prayed and prophesied over you that God spoke to the elders and said to send you because of your gifting? Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing if as a church we would be confirming and affirming gifting not just because of your burning but as we pray and hear from the Lord how much confidence would that give you? Beautiful. And I would also say try things. Say yes to things. You know the game of hiding or where someone hides something and you got to find it and they say hot, 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 cold, cold, cold. It just requires movement. And so you move and this is what happens if you play the game. It goes hot, hotter and then you keep going up colder, colder. So even when you think you're getting hotter, you might get a cold and it's still moving you closer and closer. And we don't want to face the cold. We don't want to face the, ooh, not that, but we need that. And so just try things. Keep walking. Trust the Lord as your shepherd, as you walk and say yes and say yes. Now, I know there's another side of that problem. And some of you are saying yes to too many things. And uh, overachievers out there. But I think it's good As the Lord enables you to say yes to things, especially when you're not clear. Obviously, when you get more clear on your gifting, you want to narrow down and say yes to those things. And I'll talk more about priority. So we want to be confident. We want to know. God wants you to know your gifting. He doesn't want that to be a mystery. Because look at this. This is the the last reason, I think, how we can be confident in our gifting. We need to know where our gifting comes from. When you read this passage from start to finish, sometimes when you are learning to study scripture, you notice repetition. When Paul or any author just repeats something over and over and over again, and it almost feels like he's like just beating us over the head with this truth. Look at this emphasis. I actually initially had eight verses, and for the sake of... Your sanity, I dropped it to four. But look at this. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Whoa. That's pretty clear. But Paul just, just keeps dropping it. But God has so composed the body. Dramatically, next sermon, next slide. <laughs> But God has so composed the body. Next slide. But it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation. Notice the, notice the uh, passive. So just put by God. To each is given the manifestation. By God of the spirit for the common good. And lastly all these are empowered by the one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills so you must you can and must be confident because god has sovereignly by his wisdom and choice and loving decree given you your gifts he wants you to know your gifts he wants you to operate in joyful confidence In the uniqueness of how he has designed you. So it is not from faith to shrink back in a sense of defeat and comparison. But to say I am not that but I am this. God wants you to embrace that. And as we're going to see the church needs you to embrace that. So we can be confident in our giftings by knowing our gifting, knowing that it is appointed to you by God individually as he chose, as he wills, and that you are indispensable, therefore, to the body. So pursue that. But the fact that we have giftings can lead to another problem. While some of us battle feelings of inferiority and shrinking back, some of us can struggle with feelings of superiority. I'm more important, I'm special. Of course, I think the biggest temptation for that is someone in, in a role like mine where you're a pastor and, and you're up front a lot. And so we need to watch out for the prideful side of gifting. So, um, so uh, the other way we are healthy is not only by being confident, but God wants us to operate interdependently on others' giftings. And so verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Every part clearly needs the other part. Implied in this is that as powerful of a function as a body part has, like the head, hello. It is also extremely limited Your role, your gifting is indispensable to the church, but very limited. You ought to feel that as well. Wow, I can't do that and that. But in that space of limitation is the beauty of the body of Christ. It's precisely at that point where the body begins to function. When we recognize our our limits and our need for each other. And so I think one of the application of this principle that Paul gets to is that we, one of the beauties and the healthiness of a church operating together is that we actually begin to appreciate the gifts of others. Instead of feeling superior because of look at me, what's way more beautiful and fulfilling than the need for attention and the need to to have applause and to make everyone um, give you... Wor- well, we need words of affirmation. I don't want to go too, too far. But to like, man, I want all this validation. What's actually way more fulfilling and beautiful is that we can be so appreciative of other people's gifts. What a beautiful, wonderful experience. Not To not only feel useful in your gifts, but to simultaneously... Feel a deep gratitude for your brothers and sisters who are laboring with you. That's the the picture of the body that God wants us to experience. Scripture says that we have an inheritance, not just in heaven, in the Lord, in the saints. God, part of your salvation experience and the joy of your salvation is the joy of being bonded, your brothers and sisters in deep gratitude and thankfulness and partnership, because they're laboring in their giftings, you're laboring in yours, and it's this beautiful synergy like a body. What a thrilling and bonding experience that God wants us all to have. I can, um, I experience this pretty deeply all the time on staff all the time with the members of staff and what they do. I'll, I'll just also highlight, I'm beginning to experience this more and more in the elders. Um, just, to, just to identify a few people without them knowing I'm doing this. But it's positive, so I can do that. Jason Lau, one of our elders, when you get to know him, an amazing in, intuitive sense of care for the needs of others. Anticipatory care with an energy to do something about it. And so I see in Jason strong giftings of mercy and shepherding. So grateful for him in that. I'm in awe, actually. Brett Prochek, one of our newer elders, always pushing us to reach out with the gospel. Reach and go and take risk for Christ. But also he'll come in and say, man, we got to talk about this. Hey, I've been struggling with this. I've been feeling this. And so With Brett, amazing gifts of evangelism and exhortation. And I'm so thankful for my brother. And I promise you, if they're listening or hear this, Brett and Jason are thinking, I'm so thankful for the other elders. And so that's just a beautiful picture of what can happen, our inheritance in one another. um, That we can... As a people, not get drunk on wine, not get drunk on the world, but be filled with the Spirit, making melody in our hearts, giving thanks for everything. And so our hearts are filled with thankfulness as we see each other as indispensable. And so um, I just, um, I think that's why Paul says here in in verse twenty. Uh, four here. Let's read this, but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that locked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I love that. Paul's not trying to say that more honor means more importance. He's trying to say um, that, you know, no matter what role you have in the church, if the church is functioning under the love of Christ and, and, and the humility and confidence, we're gonna have equal joy and rejoice in each other's giftings and equal sorrow when one of us is hurting or in pain. And I remember um, one, one staff meeting, uh, our AV producer, Nick, had figured out a better way to handle ProPresenter. We were rejoicing. We were like, whoa. That's amazing. I mean, there was a sermon preached that Sunday. No one talked about that. But nor was there any jealousy. It was was pure joy of someone helping in their giftings. So whether whether you're behind the scenes, whether you're in front of the scenes, whether you're working on facilities during the week and no one sees it, or whether you're downstairs with the middle schoolers, or whether you're in children's ministry, whether you're back in AV, whether you're visitation, the body will begin to appreciate each other and have equal joy in each other's giftings, and sorrow when someone is, is, is hurting because of how bonded we are. So when we invite you to volunteer, we're actually inviting you into the life of the body to experience that honor and joy and gratitude and thankfulness and inheritance of one another, to give it to you and to receive it from you. And that's why Sundays are so important. It's where we can come and give honor to the way giftings are being used to rejoice in one another, to be a body together, to be thankful for Alessia and her gifts of writing and singing by being here to receive that gift from her. That honors her, but it honors God who gifted her and gifted you in the ways to serve. So let let us honor one another as we engage. And so this leads to our last problem. As we may feel joy and honor sir, and mutual dependence. The church is also called to recognize a priority to the gifts. This was a hard part of this passage. But I think there's a message. An important message for us. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church. First apostles. Second prophets. Third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. And then Paul's going to say at the end, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Seems to imply some kind of order. Um... And even in, and Miguel will preach on this in a few weeks, he's going to be very clear prophecy has um, more, has potential for more impact than tongues. He's going to literally compare the two (laughs) so that the church keeps the order right. Now, first of all, um, and so let me just make this in a statement. The way that we operate in a healthy way towards the gifts is by keeping in view their biblical order of priority. Otherwise the body will fail to operate. What is the priority? Let's just see this. Go back to our passage. We see that God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, um, then miracles, gifts of healing. Okay, what I did is I kind of categorized these So the the first three, there is an order. First, second, third, there's a nuance there. But I want to see the broad category here is word gifts. So the priority seems to be this, according to Corinthians. And I'm going to demonstrate other places. Word gifts, first priority. Second priority, sign gifts, healing miracles. Third priority, service gifts, serving gifts, helps administration. Fourth, tongues. I didn't have a category for that. I just said it. What I want to show you is that the idea of word giftings being at the top, I think, is critical for the health of the church. Look at this in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So God, all were given gifts, but he only lists this group. And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That's all he says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. Are those all the gifts? No. What's he saying? That teachers, preachers, or uh, pa- sorry, teachers, pastors, evangelists, apostles, those are people gifted in getting the word out into the, the world. Getting the, those are word centered gifts. Those are the foundation of the church. Look at this in 1 Timothy. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. By the way, double honor it refers to the idea of, you know, pay your pastor. And so the, the, the Paul tells the church, look, you're going to have elders who are going to be leaders in oversight of your church. The ones who do that really well, tell them to quit their day job and pay them to do that full time for the church. But notice the priority, especially those that bring the word of God to the church. So there are many gifts of leadership, but the number one important gift that this church needs for the sake of its functioning is the word being taught effectively. And so what then do I mean by priority? The idea of priority Reflects not necessarily more indispensable, but more foundational to the church. So I'm thinking hierarchy, as in the church won't work right if this ordering is mixed up. I want you to think of a house. In your house, I bet you you have parts of your house you love. Maybe your front door. Not for the Nunez house. But there's a lot of beautiful front doors out there. Maybe it is your chimney. Maybe it's that beautiful window that you love to sit and look at. I, that's us. That's the, that's the highlight of our house is that, that window overlooking the, the bay. Love it. All of that means nothing if it's not a good foundation. Do you see what I mean? Do you see that, so that's the idea. I love every, we love our house. Every part is important. Every part is indispensable. You can't function without a front door. You need that window there, but do you see the importance of the building of the foundation and how they relate? If you're trying to build a building and you don't get that order right, you're going to have a bad building. That's the idea that I want to, that I think Paul is getting at. The build, the foundation comes first. The rest is built on it. Our, our, um the, the uh, sign gifts will go out of whack if word is not central. Our service gifts will be in vain if word is not central. Our tongues will go crazy if word is not central. And isn't this not the fear? And haven't we not seen this? For those of you who pay attention to church history, when signs and miracles and tongues start to get into the church, what gets lost? This order. The word Because all of those signs and serving, all of the tongues, what is the point of them? What did Jesus say when he did miracles? You see these miracles? Believe in the message. Believe in the gospel. And Paul tells Timothy, guard the good deposit, which is the gospel. It is the truth of Jesus Christ that the signs point to, that the tongues are helping to verify And our serving is to build that up. So when Paul says, desire the higher gifts, he's saying that in your hearts, you are desiring to see the word of God go out. And you are wanting to be a part of that more and more. And that your gifts are being used to promote the believing on Jesus, the message. So that is the priority that, it, that is the desire to have and use your gifts in a way that increasingly promote the advancement of God's truth, the gospel, and Jesus Christ. So that is the priority that we also need to keep in mind if we're going to be healthy in our gifts. So just a couple points of application I want to make. Um, so many I can make. This was hard, but I'll just share a couple here. Um. If your gifting is to build up the body and the knowledge of God into maturity, um, if that's what these gifts are for, this is the priority, is, is the idea of believing in Jesus, you have to prioritize the use of your gifts. And so that means you need to invest time in your gifts and your gifts in the body. You cannot function in your gifts if you're not connected to the body. You gotta be connected in time and space. This does not happen sitting on your couch. It happens being together. We have to be together. We have to take the time to do this. And so God is gonna ask of you to give and prioritize your gifts in time and space. You're gonna have to prioritize that. And you're gonna have to keep in mind the priority of the gifts and how you even use your gifts and so, you know, especially if you have word gifts, the church needs that. If you have word gifts, we need you to serve. So, uh, So w- prioritize your gifts. Figure out how to use your gifts. I know sometimes one of the, the tensions can be when you are work, when you, if you have certain gifts, you may even find your work, you know, uh, uses your gifts. Like some of you have teaching gifts and you're a teacher. You're like, I do this all week. <laughs> and so, I get that. That's hard. And so we got to figure out, though, how to help you use those teaching gifts, right? Maybe you have certain serving gifts of administration. You guys, you guys, we need, we need help in those areas. We need people who help and serve um, and have different gifts. We are, as, as the staff are, are eager to see God raise up people with different giftings. Um, so we have to prioritize our giftings. And then my last application point here. If we are to desire the higher gifts, it's okay to have holy discontent. Holy discontent. There's, some of us are going to, at times, when Paul says desire the higher gifts, he's giving you permission to have ambition to use your giftings. And so what that's going to lead to is maybe an unsettledness about your role in giftings or function. And that happened to me. I started to feel an unsettledness. About the way my giftings are being used in crew as a college minister versus a pastor. And so, listen to that. Follow that. Bring that into community. And the last point here is, you know, that holy discontent can lead to a fear. You know, with the whole idea of a higher gifts. What if I don't get the gifts I want? What if I'm not, I don't feel fulfilled? I feel this ambition, but one thing that's scary about ambition if that ambition is not realized. And so I'll just close with this last passage. Romans 12, three, it's also speaking on the gifts, says to think with sober judgment, each according to the faith, the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so you know, the way I might just interpret that, God is gonna meet you exactly where you're at. He knows where you're at in your faith. And according to this passage, has even assigned that to you. He is your good shepherd. He knows what will fulfill you in your giftings. And follow him. Pursue your giftings. Trust him. Let's trust that. Let's pursue that. And let him lead you to greater and greater fulfillment in your gifts. Let me pray. Lord, we um, are all here trusting that if we are in Christ, you baptized us into this body. You are the one responsible to connect us into this thing called your body. And we drink of your spirit. So Lord, we are looking to you to activate us and unite us and help us know our giftings, be confident in our giftings, and be deeply grateful for the giftings of others that we may be a healthy body. And so, Lord, as we begin to grow and explore the giftings, the service giftings, the sign giftings, giftings of tongues, Lord, let us keep this priority in mind. Let us be disciplined in what is of most importance, not the miracles, although those are beautiful and and wonderful pointers that we want to seek. But, Jesus, that you would be our vision, that your kingdom would come in grace and truth. And that it is the gospel that we are to proclaim. So Lord, let, would you be our cornerstone and build this house. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Back up here. Um, we're going to come to the table now. And take communion together. So. I think as we think about being part of the body. You know taking communion is a way for you to affirm to God by faith. That you are indeed a part of his body. Receive that truth. Walk in that truth. And. Uh. And let God begin to use that to continue you on your journey in serving him. And so the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, which is for you. You are coming into the church and in the body because he was broken for you. And then when supper was ended, he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is in my blood. And every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. And so the table is open. Come down the middle, exit on the sides. uh, And so come when you're ready. I'm excited for this next season of how God is going to activate each of you and us together in our giftings. So I'm not sure what the takeaway was for you and how you can move forward in your giftings. A lot of it is showing up, a lot of it is, you know, take the fit test, talk to your home group leaders, check out a home group, pray with someone, come pray with me, um, and continue to trust that God will cultivate and help you uh, find your place in the body for His mission, your fulfillment. And that God would unite and bind all of that in love. That'll be next week's sermon. Can't wait for that. In the meantime, go in God's grace. Fellowship outside. Make sure to say hi to someone you don't know. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen.